Well, good morning again, and today we're, we're continuing our series on Fear Not. Uh, last week we, um, we picked up uh, looking at uh, 2 Timothy, and we'll, um, we'll cover that in a little bit. But um, Robin talked about a movie called Jungle. I want to talk about another classic movie, uh, Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Um, if you haven't seen it, um, you haven't had kids in the last probably five years, um, maybe if you've had grandkids. Um, but basically it's, it's a, a cartoon movie... Um, a dog is very intelligent, adopts a boy, um, and they have a time machine. So it's not one of your serious movies that you base a lot of stuff on. But the the boy, um, um, they go back in time, and he oh, well, he's gone back in time plenty of times. But he's just started school, and he starts getting bullied at school by this girl who who's really sort of like she's um, this is probably not the right thing, but she's top dog at the school, and she's like going well and just picking on him and oh you're you've got a dog for a dad and all these horrible things and so um basically what happens they are forced to have a play date together now i'm not sure about you sometimes when you're forced to hang out with a bully or forced to hang out with someone you don't like not always an enjoyable experience but what happens um so you may not need to watch this movie after what, what i say but but basically um they the girl finds um the time machine and the boy and the girl they go back in time and um, Sherman goes back and finds them and starts trying to travel back in time and through a whole lot of different things, they finally do get back. But during one of those experiences, they end up in the Renaissance with Leonardo da Vinci fixing up something to get a bit more power to their time machine. But while they're doing that, this girl, she's a bit mischievous but a, a bit adventurous and a bit more bold. And they're looking around and they find Leonardo da Vinci's flying machine. And so she says, let's give this a go. And the boy's going, no, no, very afraid, uh, very afraid and sort of not wanting to do anything. And so what ends up happening, they jump on and they start flying and she's flying around and she's flying and all of a sudden she goes, oh, it's your turn to fly. And he, she, she takes her hands off the controls. But he's going, I'm not, I can't do this. And he's afraid until he realises if he doesn't take over, they're going to die. He pulls up and he's flying. And so all of a sudden his fear disappears. He's no longer sort of like going, I can't fly. He's actually experiencing flight on Leonardo da Vinci's flying machine and they're flying through buildings, they're flying through churches, they're flying all over the countryside and all of a sudden Leonardo da Vinci sees his flying machine and goes, oh look, my, my flying machine. And, and um, Mr Peabody <coughs> um, realises that um, Sherman is on the plane. He says, what are you doing up there? I'm flying a plane. And then all of a sudden he says, but you don't know how to fly a plane. And Sherman, all of a sudden, thinking his dad is always right, realised, that's right, I don't know how to fly a plane. And all of a sudden, the fear that he had lost comes back and controls him. And luckily, they're low enough to the ground as they crash and, and burn Leonardo's great sort of um, uh, invention. Um, the boy is sort of is left with a lack of confidence. And, but basically, that simple phrase, all of a sudden, that fear returns and takes hold of him. And today we're talking about fear again, and we're talking about the proper place for fear. Because as I said last week in um, uh, uh, Second Timothy, we learned that God said, He did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And today again we're going to be talk, uh, listening to Apostle Paul, and we're going to take a step further in learning how to respond appropriately to unhealthy fear. Because last week we talked about there are healthy fears, when you, when, and last week I spoke, if there's a sign that says, crocodiles swim here, I don't jump in. That's actually a healthy fear because my swimming skills are not as good as a crocodile's. They're just not. 
And again, that and so um, yeah, so that would actually d discourage me from going in there. That's a healthy fear. Um, a healthy fear of electricity. I don't lick powerpoints. I know what they'll do. That's a healthy fear to have. Um, um, some people probably have some fears they should have and they don't. So um, and but like but there are healthy fears to have and they guide us into wiser things. But there are unhealthy fears and and we want to talk about the proper place for them and. To many of us, fear and anxiety are ever-ready responses to the troubles in our lives. Something happens, all of a sudden Brisbane's in lockdown, and what happens? The shops are emptied. It's a panicked response. It's, a, it's almost a precondition. They're going, and the thing is, some people, they weren't afraid six months ago, but they're, they're afraid that, oh, because other people are afraid, they're going to buy all the groceries. I better go buy groceries because I'm afraid I'm going to miss out. And, then other, and so all of a sudden, shops are empty. So we, we do have this ever-ready response to, to fear and anxiety in our lives when troubles happen. It's deeply ingrained in our thinking that you could say fear has become a habit for most of us. And I'm not talking like hiding under a blanket fear. That sometimes happens because we, we just can't function and we, we're trapped by it. But I'm talking about sometimes we don't even try and do things. We won't even go next door and say day to our neighbour because we're worried that Jesus might ask us to tell him something about him. Like that, that's... That's an unnatural fear. Sometimes we won't try for a new job because they might say no. Or we, we won't do this because if it doesn't go work out, then I'll have to come back and I just won't be able to do that. Um, I, won't, I won't try something that is a little bit out of my skill set. It can be deeply ingrained uh, in our thinking. The good news is that like any other habit in our lives, you can develop new ones in place of the old. And at the end of his letter to the Philippian church, the Apostle Paul gives numerous encouragements and there are two verses in particular that are important today. We find those in verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving present, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now that's a great promise. Like Philippians is a great book. Um, if you want to sort of haven't read it for a while, go go pick it back up. It's really a great book. It's got a lot of encouragement for us. Um, but basically, these these words they kind of um, they give us the opportunity to be free from fear and worry. Now, wouldn't you like to? Some of us again, you might not say you're afraid, but you might say I'm worried about certain things, and maybe that's what grips you. Maybe somewhere in between, or maybe a bit of both at times. And I think we can all agree that fear and anxiety are intimately related. We can also agree that living a life completely free from, fear, free from all fear and anxiety sounds too good to be true. It's not going to happen. I'm, just, I'm worried about being a good parent. I'm worried about being a good grandparent. I'm worried about being a good worker. I'm worried about having enough to supply for my family. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about what could happen tomorrow. I'm worried about... Our health and like again like I can't imagine what it is like um, when the doctors say to you we found something on the scan and we and we need to check it out a bit more that worry about what could be there now Paul, Paul might just be delusional have you ever thought of that Paul might just be delusional when he says do not be anxious about anything did Paul ever have to live with traffic did he ever have to worry about paying his bills did he have to have a worry about keeping up with others in, in real life or even on social media? He didn't have to worry about those things. Uh, I think Paul would have 
horrible on social media, to be honest, though. Like, um, like the amount of letters he wrote then, and I'm going, yeah, Facebook, Paul would have been everywhere. Um, you have to worry about where he could get toilet paper from. He doesn't have any idea how difficult and troublesome it is to live today. Would, who would agree? No, no, some people about hedging bets. Well, while it might be true Paul doesn't have some of the modern worries, he lived in a very different time and experienced life in very different ways than we do today. But in saying that, Paul probably had more reasons, more trials, more struggles than we had to overcome. We'll see this in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24 to 28. And see how many times you can go, yep, that's me, that's, I've gone through exactly that. Because this is Paul saying he doesn't need to be anxious, doesn't need to worry. He said, five times I've received Jews um, from the Jews, 40 lashes minus one. Anyone had that happen to him lately? So that's one of the reasons Paul could have had to worry. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was pelted with stones. Any ticks anywhere going here? Um, um, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in open sea. Um, I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea and in danger from false believers. I've laboured and toiled and have gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and I've gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Okay, those are Paul's reasons that he could have for worrying. Anyone got anything in common with Paul there? You've been cold. Okay. So, okay. So that's one tick out of about 30. So, um, but see, Rockhampton doesn't get too cold, so you can't say you're cold very often. Uh, but then he says this, beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. After all this other stuff that's happened to Paul, his biggest concern, his heart is for the churches. So all these things that happen to him, he can easily say, do not be anxious about anything. I know what it is to worry. I know what could be happening tomorrow. I haven't had a beating for a while. It could be very much this week. Rocks haven't been thrown lately. It could be next week. It could be next month. I could be getting it this afternoon. I haven't locked it into my diary, but who knows when it's going to happen. What if Paul had this idea that he had this secret um, way of living? Paul had, has experienced as much as any of us when it comes to trials and tribulations. He had an ample opportunity to be scared. But then he actually says, in light of all this, he says in Philippians 4, 11 and 12, he says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. When you're content, you're at peace. And that's why earlier in that chapter, Paul says, don't be anxious about anything because I've learned the secret of being content. I've learned the secret of being at peace. So what if Paul knew the secret of living a life free from fear and anxiety? What if he truly knew how to live a deeply content and satisfied life? Wouldn't you want to know if he did and how to do it yourself? Well, here's, this is what Paul did. And this sounds a little bit too simplistic, but this is, this is how good God is. But basically, the simple answer to this is that we need to give it all to God. That's the answer. If you are worried, give it to God. If you're facing trials, give it to God. If you are worried about tomorrow, give it to God. You give all that stuff into God's hands. It feels like the answer should be a little bit more complicated for such a complex and destructive problem, but I also know it's true. 
The secret that Paul learned about fear, anxiety and worry is that they belong in the hands of God and not ours. Worries should not be living here. Worries should not be living here. Worries should not be living here. We can hand them over to God and God will carry them for us. The secret is gratitude lays prayer in every circumstance and, and situation you find yourself in. It's not that fear, anxiety and worry and doubt don't exist. Don't, don't go home and say, I have no worries. Don't go home and say, I have no fears. Don't go home and say, I have no doubts. Because sooner or later someone will go, there's something wrong with you rather than there's something wrong with you. It's the fact that we actually actively put them into God's hands and we put them in the proper place. The difficulty, of course, is developing the habit in which we place those troublesome situations and circumstances into the hands of God instead of holding them to ourselves. Let me, let me say that past, but the difficulty is developing the habit in which... You place those troublesome situations and circumstances into the hand of God. I'll probably use this story before here at this church, but it's a great story to illustrate this. There was a, a little boy went to his dad with a broken toy. And he said, Dad, can you fix this? And the dad said, Yep, yeah, sure, give it to me. The little boy came back later and said, Dad, you haven't fixed my toy yet. And the dad said, But you didn't give it to me. You took it away with you. If you want me to fix it, you've got to let it go and put it into my hands and let my hands fix it. I know for me, one of the ways I learned this, um, when I was, before I even met Elizabeth, um, one of the things I had to live through was trusting God to supply for me. And when, when you're single, you, you find you can live on very little. Um, like cereal becomes a, a common denominator for most meals. Um, you can survive. You go, okay, don't need to eat today. I can just fill up tomorrow on that, that cereal again. And, and, and you find ways or you rock up on, at people's place and they, they feed you. And, and so all of a sudden you've got a way of, of surviving a little bit. But you, you're not as worried about it because you're at the start of life and everything seems to be okay. Um, and, but I went through an experience where I had a, um, I had a number of housemates. Some of them were, were okay, some of them were really bad. But I had one that actually put me in a really big financial difficulty. He actually had said he'd paid rent and he hadn't and ran up my phone bill. Ended up, I had to kick him out but it left me in a position where I was financially strapped. And, and through, um, through prayer and, and people sort of caring about me, I was able to get through that situation. It was the first time I've ever realised that fully that, oh, God will supply my needs. But this was actually a growing area in my life because at the time I was working two days a week at the church uh, down in Brisbane. Um, I'd picked up another part-time job and was studying and, 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 and so all this stuff was happening and, and like I had enough, but there was always that like, oh, what if I can't get any, can't get any further forward. And, and then all of a sudden I met Elizabeth and all of a sudden there was this idea that I'm now not only trusting God for myself, but I'm trusting it for us. And it was the biggest step to take. And I remember our very first Christmas, um, Elizabeth had been working contract teaching and um, her contract ended up and I was basically working for the church and the, and the other job I had, it, it sort of shut down over the holidays. And so there was a period of, of two weeks where Elizabeth and I were sort of like... Under, un, un, unemployed almost, that's what it felt like and so it was a period of time where all of a sudden I went, oh, will God supply our needs? I could trust him with my needs 
and will he supply our needs? And so it was a, that worry that all of a sudden God through God actually supplied for us. God blessed us through that time. And and of course that then that went on to um, to, to to having children and doing that. And even the move up here became part of that because when we moved up here, Elizabeth didn't have a job, and so it was a, a step of faith and. Over time, though, it's become a natural response now. I don't need to worry about God's supply. I don't worry about, need to worry about God's provision because I know that God will supply my needs. I know that he will supply my family's needs and I don't need to stress and fret about that. But it was a growing experience that I've gone through with God in doing that. So I've been able to develop the habit in those times, not everything else in my life, but in those times, I know that God will supply our needs. I know we may have to do without at times, but God will supply and provide for us. So we need to get to a place where we need to give it all to God and trust him with it. But the second step of that is to make our requests known. One of the things that I I love about God is that he's not surprised about the way that we feel. Do you ever try and sort of pray and you're you're upset about something and you're not not praying about that though? You might have... you could be upset with your husband or wife, you could be upset with friends, you could be upset about work, and you're praying, you might have just read your Bible and said, God, help me to understand this better. And right at that moment, you are angry or upset or sad or, or depressed, and God knows exactly how we feel, because he formed us, he knit us together in, our, in, in, in the womb and numbered our days and every hair on our head, all that stuff. I can guarantee he doesn't think that your irrational fear of clowns is silly or your anxiety about getting cancer someday means that you have less faith. If we feel in a certain way, God is not surprised by that, but he wants us to grow in faith over that. He wants to hear from us. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Let's, let's have a look at this and how we could practice a prayer like this. Because a lot of times we come to God saying, God, get me out of this, fix this, help. But this is, this is a prayer that model that Paul is using here. So imagine praying this. Thank you, Lord, for the home that we have. Thank you for providing shelter and warmth and protection from the sun and rain. I don't know how we're going to pay the mortgage this month, but I, I do know um, you do. Please calm our hearts and guide our steps. We thank God for what he has given us. We actually pray our fears to God and we trust him in response. Thank you, Lord, for my job. I love how hard you how have you have I love how you have provided for my needs and through it, um, my needs through it. But God, it is difficult working there. Please give me guidance and strength as you show me what I should do. Amen. Lord, thank you for the first 70 years you have given me. I could spend days recounting the endless blessings and grace you have poured over this life. I'm so completely humbled by your faithfulness. I received a cancer diagnosis yesterday. I know that you aren't surprised to hear that, but I'm so scared. I'm terrified to start chemo. I'm terrified to tell the kids. I need to know you are here with me. I need to know that this will be okay. One way or another, I need to know that if I'm gone, that someone will help my husband uh, eat three healthy meals a day. Thank you for hearing me. Amen. You see, when we pray with, with our prayers are laced with gratitude, we, we thank for God for what he's done. We can actually pour our hearts over him with the things that are worrying us, concerning us, and then we trust him and we give it to God. We put it in his hands. 
We get the idea. We request with thanksgiving. And when, and when we are faithful to put our fear and anxiety in the proper place, we can actually expect peace to follow. Expecting peace is part of this process. As you pray through fear and trouble and adversity, make sure that you simultaneously hold the expectation that God will come through on his end of the deal. Now, basically Paul says in, a, in another epistle that um, peace that transcends all understanding or peace that passes all understanding. God will give us peace that isn't logical. So if you try and go, okay, this, see, what, this is how we pray. God, this is my situation. I am so far in debt. If you can help me win the lotto, I won't be in debt. I'll be at peace. That's a logical, I suppose, prayer. Um, it'd be because, again, we go, oh, I feel at peace now. I don't have a debt. But this is what God says. Pray to me. You've got a huge debt. Pray and trust me through it. And I'm going to give you peace that doesn't make sense. But you'll be at peace. You'll be in a situation where you can feel calm. And I can tell you, again, I've experienced this in amazing ways. Um, before we came up here to Rockhampton, um, I know it wasn't... We were wanting to go back to... We, we had, Elizabeth and I had met in Brisbane. I had been involved with churches in Brisbane and, and my youth background had been in Brisbane. And, and we, we took a step out to Chinchilla. And I think in our imagination, we always planned to go back to what we knew. We wanted to go back to what was familiar. We wanted to go back to those friends and family that we had. And we'd come up here and, and we'd checked out the place and we were waiting at that time to hear what the response was. And part of me was waiting to hear before I made up my mind. And I remember I was at the South Queensland Conference and, and, and one night just, I suppose, praying about it and I... I felt God sort of nudging me. He's like, what reasons do you have for saying no if I want you to do it? It's one of those questions that when God asks you that question, you go, well, God, if you want me to do it, I really don't have any, I don't have any reason for saying no. And at that point in time, like, I knew there were still going to be difficulties involved. It was going to be a change or there were other worries involved. But whether to say yes or not wasn't the issue. Like, and I was, sort of, I was trying to work it out in my human wisdom. But at that point in time, I had peace about if it came through to say yes. I, I knew that that was the situation and I could follow that through. Later on in Philipp Philippians, after Paul says he has learned the secret of being content in every situation, he says in 4.13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Paul knows, that we need, Paul knows what we need to know, that in the hands of God, through the power of Christ, anything is possible. I know that there are some here today who have their doubts. And you can have doubts about so many different things. There are so many things that we can have doubts about. Um, and like you see the card in, in the newsletter. Like it's, it's basically even getting up in the morning for some, sometimes for some of us is that there is a wave of uncertainty around us. And we're going, what, what is this day going to hold? I know there are some who are facing impossible situations. Maybe bad medical diagnosis and adversity. And I know that a life free from fear and anxiety seems completely crazy. All I can ask is that you commit this coming week to develop a, a more faith-filled response to every circumstance and situation. 
I said that earlier, the difficulty in developing the habit in which you place those troublesome situations and circumstances into the hands of God. So let's, let's make a choice today to commit together in this coming week to change our habits by letting go of our fear, anxiety and worry and expecting a divine peace that transcends understanding. Does anyone have any worries about the coming week? I know I do. I had worries last week and God came through, but like I've got brand new ones for this week. Some of the ones this week are actually an overflow from last week. But the thing is, it's a choice to say, God, in this, I can't... Some, some of our worries we can't do anything about either. Can we? Some of them we can. Some of us might wake up and think, I'm worried that my pants won't fit today. Well, go for a walk. You can do something about that one. But some of our worries we can't, we can't control. And so we need to be in an active place saying, God, this is bugging me today. This is holding me back. I want to put this in your hands and give me peace about it. Set me free today to walk with you. Maybe you want to take some time that every morning you write out a few prayers similar to the ones that I shared earlier. Begin and end your prayer with gratitude. Name your request um, to the Lord and trust the process. Throughout the day as trouble comes, practice the same thing audibly, thanking God and naming your request to him. I, I trust that these small steps will lead you to big breakthroughs for you, for you over time. There is so much unhealthy fear in our world and much of it is for legitimate reasons. It's time as believers... Um, we as believers recognise it and start putting it all in its proper place. The almighty and ever-capable hands of God. Let's take a moment to pray together. Lord, we need your help. We need your guidance as we face trials and troubles, as we face life in general at times. Give us the strength to respond with faith. Help us to make the choice where we are willing to hand over the things that worry us, the things that scare us, the things that make us anxious and put them into your hands and trust you with the peace that is coming, no matter what situation that we are in. Lord, may this week be such a week where we grow more confident in life because we are trusting you to be God. We pray this in your name. Amen.